0: Hey, it's Matt Cross from UMass Basketball, and I've got a slam dunk insurance recommendation for you. I'm a Massachusetts native myself, and I know the importance of hometown loyalty and toughness. When I need insurance as tough as me, I choose Amherst Insurance. They've had UMass Basketball's back for decades, and they'll have yours too. Trust me. Amherst Insurance isn't just an insurance agency. They're a part of our community, deeply rooted in Massachusetts values. They understand the hustle, the spirit, and the pride that defines us here. So if you're looking for a hometown insurance agent who's got the same drive and determination as me, it's Amherst Insurance all the way. And remember, when you make that call or visit thenathanagencies.com, tell them Matt Cross sent you.
1: UMass fans, Josh Coney, the latest addition to the UMass basketball family. The energy here is unreal, and let's not forget UMass football season is revving up, and I'm all in. Now listen up. Moving can be a hassle, but five college movers made my transition seamless. Mention my name, Josh, and you'll not only score exclusive pricing, but tickets to a UMass basketball game of your choosing, courtesy of five college movers. So UMass fans, let's rally for football, get ready for basketball, and when it's time to move stress-free, team up with five college movers. Go UMass!
2: And a big, warm welcome back to Commonwealth Conversations, everyday minute and stories brought to you, as always, by the Massachusetts Collective. I'm your host, Nathan Strauss, and today's guest, if you're listening to this, you're probably on your way out to uh, UMass for the game against Toledo this week and it's about football time and of course if you have been involved with UMass football in any way shape or form over the last 30 or so years you know the name Paul Maganero he uh, is the president of the gridiron club his name is on the scoreboard at McGurk he was a four-year player at UMass won a couple of Yankee championships thank you so much for hopping on today well thank you for having me Nathan and anything to help the program. Of course. So you grew up in the uh in the shadow of Suffolk
3: Downs in uh what was it like for you growing up in that area? Uh well, you know, I'm a Massachusetts bred, like you said, Eastern Massachusetts, spent a lot of time uh early in my early years growing up in Everett, Massachusetts, and then uh I found an uncle style of construction business that uh, took off and had some success when we moved out to Winchester and I've been there ever since. So my 59 years of existence is all open in uh, eastern Massachusetts. And I tell you the the um the experiences around the horse racing uh business, good and bad, has always been a bonding experience. Uh I've always told people, you know, I have I have three children. I've had a bunch of uncles and they've Uh, that were involved in the business and and we all had different interests, different likes. I mean, one of my uncles liked opera. I I don't even listen to music, but we all have that common thread. And that was the love for thoroughbred racing and the thoroughbred horse. So ever since I was three years old, you know, going to the racetrack with my grandfather, my uncles, my father and some of my siblings to the point where then I got married and my kids would go up to Saratoga every Sunday. There's just nothing like it. You know, we can, we can, we can fight up all day long. Where We are going to go to dinner or, what other family vacations we want to take, but when it comes to, hey, who wants to go to the races at Saratoga or back in the day, who wants to go to Suffolk Downs and watch the horses run? There's a hundred percent guarantee everybody was in. So I'm very fortunate to be able to have this, this experience. And you've managed to
2: stick with both the football side of things and the thoroughbred side of things throughout really your entire life. But how did you get to UMass and what was it like there as a player
3: in the, in the eighties? Well, I graduated Winchester High School in eighty two and my junior my my uh, coach who was a legendary coach here in Eastern Mass, said, Do you have aspirations of playing college football? I said, I really haven't thought about it. He said, Well, I'm gonna move your position because if you wanna play, this will be your position. He moved me from defensive tackle linebacker. I was fortunate enough to play with a lot, lot of good guys and we had some success. And then um when recruiting came, recruiting time came about, you know, a couple of schools sniffed around, but I was either too short, too fat, too slow. But uh coach Pickett, well Pickett, the head coach at the time, and his defensive coordinator, who was uh, later on became the head coach, Jim Reed, who's back with the program now, they showed a lot of um trust in me and belief in my ability. And it was really my only scholarship offer. And I did end up getting a half a scholarship offer to Maine. But I figured if I'm gonna play for a state school, it's gonna be my uh my uh my state. And I went up from a recruiting trip, had an okay experience there. Wasn't sure how I fit in. And even from the day I went there, the first uh, the first uh, preseason practice, I mean, there were some big kids, fast kids, uh, something I wasn't used to. But, you know, through hard work and uh, and dedication and just per- perseverance, I was lucky enough to let up my freshman year playing a lot of special teams uh, we had a so-so record, but we still shared a piece of the Yankee Conference Championship back then. And then my sophomore and junior years were pretty rough, and uh, I got hurt. Uh, On last play of spring ball, I got hurt uh, with a knee injury, and I had a sit-out year, so I redshirted. But it actually worked out pretty good because the, my last two years ended up being a 7-4 record. And then my senior year, which was 86, uh, Jim Reed was named head coach, so that was special. I was his first captain, along with Stan Kazarowski. And uh, we ended up going up 8-3 record and sharing the Yankee Conference Championship. So the friends that I made and the education I got was priceless. I mean, probably like a lot of freshmen, I was I was done. I'm homesick. I'm ready to go. I'll go to Northeast and I'll transfer to BU because they had football at the time. And my father, God bless, and said, you know what? If you don't like it here, you're not going to like it at school. Why don't you just come home and work? And that was an eye-opening experience. And Coach Reed came and talked to me and I said, okay, I'll stick it out for the spring of my freshman year, just go to spring ball, and that turned into a five-year career, and because of it, I have a I have a degree that, that I'm proud of, so they gave me a wonderful opportunity and uh, helped me take advantage of it when I didn't realize how important it was. We know a lot about how, you know, football operates today, how the team travels, how
2: the team, how sort of football works, um, you know, travels, meals, et cetera. but what was it like, like, what was a game day like for you back then, and, and what were the, the sort of day-to-day life of a student-athlete like back in the 80s?
3: Well, the game itself never changed, except maybe kids are bigger, faster, stronger. But the, the the preparation required, the intensity required, is still the same. Now, the off the field stuff with NIL, with boosted clubs, with the portal transfer portal, it's totally different and more complex. Like I, I flip through college games now, I'm like, didn't that kid? I'm watching like Notre Dame, Nebraska, and like, didn't that kid play for Michigan last year? And sure enough, he did. So, I mean. Football, it's not rocket science. It's dedication to the off-season program, a commitment to your teammates, good coaching, and then it's up to the players to perform on game day. My biggest thrill was being from Eastern Mass, coming down here and playing BU, you know, Boston University, Northeast, and Harvard, because friends and all the family can make the game very easily, and traveling with the team, getting out of classes a little bit early, checking into a hotel, having a nice meal, having a roommate to shoot the breeze with, and then having that little snack at night and then waking up for game day with the butterflies. And then going out and there competing was just a it was an adrenaline rush, which is very similar to on race day at the racetrack when you have a horse going in the starting gate. So um that kind of the race the racing now uh fills in that void that you know, since I can't play anymore, I can still own racehorses, so it's it's very similar in that aspect, but I loved I loved the game day, uh, especially home games too. I mean, I not only like coming down to Mets, but the home games, back then I think we would know, average fifteen thousand people at a home game, and uh, just to come out and hear the crowd and you know that you had the support was wonderful. How did you get involved with the Gridiron Club? Well, it it was funny that one of the big differences when I graduated, you pretty much got a thank you and and goodbye, and that was it. There wasn't a team breakup dinner. There was really no connection. I mean, the, the year after graduation, I went to a lot of games because I still had friends playing. But then in two years out, I started Coach High School by myself, and there was really no solicitation and no connection. It was a distance and until it was actually Coach Brown's first go-around. At the, he came down with Coach Hodges, former, former assistant coach and head coach at UMass. And they said, we're uh, redoing the Boyden weight room and need some support can you help us? And I said, absolutely. So I forget how many years that was, but then, um, uh, they've done a good job keeping me on the hook <laughs> <laughs> from there. Uh, I joined the gridiron club, my brother and I, uh, helped out with the, um, Forman center building by, uh, by getting the name and rights to the coach's office. And then most recently was the scoreboard, but I take great pride in being fortunate enough to be able to give back. And, uh, it's all about the players and giving them the best experience that that's possible. Why is giving back important to you? Because I realized, you know, UMass gave an opportunity that, like I said, nobody else really did except you main checked me a, checked me a half a bone. And, and, and then more importantly, they could have just given up on me because I was, I was not the best student and uh, they could have just said, well, oh, this, this kid isn't worth the time and effort, but they didn't do that. And, They stuck with me, and uh, at the end, it was very rewarding. And I appreciate the opportunity, and I and I see that without that opportunity, I probably wouldn't be where I am today. Um, So knowing that, giving back might help one player, hopefully more, but one player, it'll be all worth
2: it. Well, you've got your fingerprints all over the the football player experience, but also the fan experience as well. Um, You know, the 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 video board at McGurk is is really impressive, and. Uh, it's it's a huge part of what makes the game day experience the way it is at UMass. Uh, but also on the non-football side of things, obviously you work a lot with your horses. How did that evolve professionally from, I know you were interested in it and, and were around it a lot growing up, but what was it like once you graduated UMass and how did you get into that field
3: as a sort of more of a full-time thing? It's funny. I, I always knew I wanted to go that direction. You know, I studied education at UMass because... I said, why did you pick education? I said, well, education mostly picked me because when I was in general studies and I got a 1.7 my freshman year, <laughs> it kind of forced me in a different direction. I was going to try business because that was the cool thing to do, I guess. But um I had a good good uh, classmate up there, Ned Toffey, who's from Western Mass, who was a horse fan too. So he and I would always read the, the Daily Racing Form before practices when we could get it, or at least the local paper with the results. I would take him to sales. Um, and like I said, I was always involved, even through college. And I couldn't attend a lot of the sales because we were usually in school session or, you know, or having games and stuff. But the summer before our senior year at UMass, Ned and I went down to Kentucky and spent the summer down there. I took a class at University of Kentucky, and we visited every major farm, learned as much as we could. And it was really an eye-opening experience to the point where Ned even got hooked. And he went from UMass to working in a small farm in, in New York. And then he really wanted to make a career, career out of it. So I hooked him up with some people in Kentucky and he literally started to shovel the horse poop. But in 15 years, he met a fellow named B Wayne Hughes who was the founder and owner of public storage, one of the biggest public storage companies in the world. And uh, he hired Ned to be a general manager probably about 20 years ago. And now Ned's the general manager of uh, Spencer farm, which is one of the biggest breeding operations in the world. And every year um for, for a long time, I put up a Kentucky Derby experience for the Lion Club Golf Tournament, which raises some good money and really gives uh, the winning bidder a, a great opportunity to have a, a lifetime experience of not only going to the Derby, but having a personal concierge and also spending the day before the Derby visiting some of these farms, spent the farm being included um, uh, in, in, that, in that package. So I'm happy, I'm happy to do that. And like I said, I get the same adrenaline rush with the horses as I do when I, when I played, played football. So the horses never left my life since I was in the third grade.
2: Now, if I, so I know very little about horses, which makes me the odd one out between you and Pat. Uh, (laughs) But if you were, if you were, you know, a a novice to horses in general, what is, what, what makes a a horse, a good horse or what makes a, a filly, a good filly? What, what, what are you looking for when you're trying to identify things like that?
3: Well, very similar traits that you are find in humans, and like in a good basketball player or a good football player. They need the heart. They need the talent. They need the physical structure. And I've seen champions come in all different sizes and shapes, but they all have a desire to win. Now, what's different from the human athlete and the equine athlete is the human athlete you can talk to, you can be around and kind of get a sense, you know, is this person going to fold up the tent when things get tough? Are uh, you going to be fight with the horses? It's tough to gauge, but... What you do in the selection process of the horse is you look at the pedigree and hope, you know, those genes are in that body somewhere, and hopefully that can come out. And then you look at the physical confirmation, and then it's very important to get that horse, just like, just like a freshman coming uh, into the program, into the right hands and develop that talent. Um, and then it's a lot of luck, a lot of luck involved.
2: How many people are involved in the operation of, uh, say so you're, you're trying to get one horse to eventually compete at a championship level, so to speak. How many people are involved in, in that process?
3: Well, from the beginning, you're talking about, you know, there's there's a breeder that had a mare that had a selected a stallion, uh, put the mating together, uh, wait 11 months for, for the offspring, develop that offspring for probably 18 months, sell it at the yelling sale. So you have the breeder and all the farm, um, uh, requirements that go with that and then you sell to, it to consign it's like a real estate agent that's going to present your horse at the sale and then you from that sale from a yearling sale you send it down to a training facility where you can get its early training and be broken in and then from there you send it to the trainer and at the racetrack usually there'll be a groom for every three horses and you know assistant trainers and then you have veterinarians and blacksmiths vanning so a lot of hands touch these horses before they make it to the races you know I,
2: I thought that I knew a lot about sports and now we're discovering that I have this giant blind spot and I have I, I now I want to learn more uh maybe at some point I'll have to head out to Saratoga but um
3: oh if you haven't been to Saratoga that's a life-changing experience
2: well I know exactly who to ask if I was ever going to go out to Saratoga
3: um I, between... I know a place where you can stay too probably <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, um, on the back on the football side, you were talking about, you know, being proud of being from Eastern Mass and sort of representing your state and the flagship. and I'm another Massachusetts kid. Um, you've got a Massachusetts guy, Don Brown, at the helm now, and he really wears that sort of blue collar Massachusetts identity as his as he coaches and with who he is as a person and with with Deb as well. Uh, how important is it to you to see someone like that as the the steward of the of the program?
3: Well, I think, you know, First, you start with a quality man that can develop young, young, young boys, pretty much or young adults into into you know society contributing men for a long, long time. And Don Brown can definitely do that. Now, then next comes the football talent. Can he coach? Yes, he can. That's, that's a proven record. And the bonus is he's he's a Massachusetts bred guy, and I think uh, I think that's very important. And you know, I've coached uh, high school ball for a long time. And I always take a good reflection on each program in our league. And the most successful programs usually have coaches that are from that town, either played in the program, like at Woburn High School or Reading High School. And they have they take because they go the extra mile. And like you said, they know a lot of people in town. So it's important to them. Uh, so when, when, when Don Brown was announced, it, it, was, it was an obvious choice. And, uh, and I think he's definitely the right man for the job. What do you view as the future of
2: uh, of the UMass program and, and sort of ways that people can help out, whether it be financially or with their time? And what are the next steps to take this program to the next level? Well,
3: you know, football, football involves about 100 players. So we're not one, one guy isn't going to come in the, into the program, unless it's Tom Brady, maybe, and change the whole program for you. Where other sports that, you know, suit up 15, 20, 30 guys, it could be different. One, one or two good players could really make a difference. It's really the ultimate team sport. So we're going to just have to strengthen up the roster, get guys that are committed, and will help change the culture. And when I say that, I think we have a lot of people working very hard up there, but they have to believe they can win. And once that happens, I think everything else is is set up. But As far as the way people can help, just come to a game. Buy a season ticket. Show your support. Because I remember when I was playing – you know, we're we playing in front of a full crowd at, at McGurk Alumni Stadium, and that, that gets your juices flowing. That that shows you how well, this is important to people. Then we went to other places like Northeastern, you play in front of 2,500 people. felt like a high school game. Just the level of the experience came down. That's why I was so passionate about um, helping support the scoreboard because that adds to the game day experience. So just showing up. And if you can, financially, we all know money makes the world go around. I mean, there there's a big budget that's outside the athletic budget that can really enhance this program, as far as support for for the student athletes. So, if you can, that's great. If you can't, just showing up, wearing your your school colors, and and cheering the team on, regardless of the scores, is very important. Yeah, be be proud. I think is the, is the most important is the most important thing there.
2: Now, yeah. if 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 NIL had existed back in the days when you were a student, what would be what would have been the company or business that you would have wanted to to partner up with you?
3: Uh, cheeseburger place. <laughs> I, I'd play for, I'd play for, I'd sponsor them, I'd do whatever they want just for free cheeseburgers. Now that, that, that's a tough one. And that, that's kind of like, maybe I'm too old school, but that's, I realize NIL's here and it is critically important because if you, you can't turn a blind eye to it are you're going to get lost in the shuffle. So we've got to make, we got to make it work and it's going to be very important. And then as I learned more about the financial struggles that all these student athletes have, it's very important to, to to their overall experience. But as far as far as you know, the, the answer to your question, I just love playing for the school and for my teammates. So I think that has to come first. If I'm just playing for an NIL deal, that ain't gonna work out.
2: Yeah, I think for, I think for most people, it's sort of a especially at UMass, it's kind of like a, an a, an added benefit of like you know you you're you're playing here and you're committed, and then also here's a way to you know promote something else and put a little extra money back in your pocket and the world is an expensive place right now. As a as a young adult, I'll tell you that. I mean, I, I graduated two years ago, and uh, you know, it's a it's a beautiful part of the world, but it is it is expensive, and it's uh it's good that people are allowed to profit off of you know their their performance if that's what they choose. And uh yeah, absolutely,
3: have- because, absolutely, because like the time commitment for these student athletes really doesn't allow them to have a job. Like I was very fortunate when, when I was playing; we didn't have to spend the whole summer up there. You know, we were in we were a Division One AA level. We got to go home. You could work. You could enjoy your free time. Um, you know, we did have spring ball, but you had to weight weightlifting during the winter. But it didn't. It didn't take up one tenth of the time that's required now. And then these guys have regular life. They want to take a girlfriend out for a pizza, or if they go to a friend's wedding or a family member's wedding, they've gotta buy a suit. They gotta you know spend two hundred bucks on a dinner. Where are they gonna get this money from? Yeah. And, and even more than that, I mean, the school part too, especially with all
2: the travel now, I mean, I've, uh, I've been fortunate to travel with men's and women's hoops and with football and you're going on these massive trips. Like I remember coming back from the Texas A&M game and oh. it's like 11 o'clock at night and you've got kids, you know, on the plane, you know, getting their homework done for Monday. And yeah. so it is, it, it, it requires a lot of time and effort. And I, I think it's a good thing in general that, that folks can be, uh, rewarded for that in whatever way it comes. And obviously there's a difference between where UMass is. And I I saw something yesterday about how Utah just gave every, every player on their team, a truck. That's, that's a different, different story. uh, I think, but yeah, I think a cheeseburger place is exactly the the right (laughs) kind of idea.
3: (laughs) And and, uh, and, you know, we we have uh, Corey and Tim that do a great job with the football collective, which is the midnight uh, midnight um, ride uh, collective and I've learned a lot through them, you know, even the expense like when we have a transfer student come in, they have and they want to live off campus, well, the 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 money they get would equivalent to the Roman board really doesn't even cover the rent. So they gotta make up that gap. And if that's even if they can find a place. So, you know, we can help them out in any way we can would, would, would be tremendous, you know? Yeah, without a doubt.
2: In your opinion, you've watched a lot of UMass football, you have played a lot of UMass football as well. Who is the most clutch player? Who you've played with or have seen play uh for the Minutemen?
3: I played with some really good ones, but watched when the first ones that come to mind, quarterback David Palazzi. And we had two inside linebackers, uh, Johnny McEwen and Vito Peron. We're just studs. They loved the game, they played with a passion, and they would whack you. Um so you know, but I loved all my teammates and uh we didn't have we didn't have like all five star recruits but we had a team that bonded quickly together and i was i was playing because i didn't want to let the the guy next to me down and i think that's important i think that's what we had there uh and i put a lot of guys that had one scholarship offer or, or walk-ons and um but they all loved the game and they loved playing for the the flagship university and that was the most important thing and since then you know there's been a lot of lot of a lot of good ones you know uh, it seems I like wouldn't leave, yeah. I wouldn't want to leave anybody out, but there's been a lot of good talent coming through there. Are, are you still pretty connected with 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 the guys who you played with? Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. A few of them were in my wedding 30 years ago. I talked to a few of them at least three or four times a week. And what we've really done good as a Gridiron Club lately is have these reunions, and we have we've had guys showing up uh, since the spring game. In, in the last couple of games that haven't been back in 20 years or 25 plus years. And it's just, just wonderful, but it's like, you never missed a beat, you know? Well, during games, people can find you in the
2: hunt room uh, for for many games. If you're not, if you're not coaching yourself uh, at that time, but what are the next big events for you on the horse side? What What are you have looking forward to on your schedule?
3: Well, the Keeneland race meet opens up Friday. It's one of the most elite meets, and in America, they only run during the month of October and uh, April. And we have a nice two-year-old colt named Depiction, who uh, is one for two and is running in a major stake race. And it's a win and you're in Breeders' Cup race. So if we win it in November, we'll be shipping him out to Santa Anita Racecourse in California to run in an international race. Uh, he's very exciting. We have another horse called the Process that's one for one. He uh, he's a two-year-old colt that will have a, a great three-year-old career. And then we have a filly, a three-year-old filly named Baba, who's, who won um, one of the richest three-year-old filly sprint races in America. It was a seven hundred fifty thousand dollars purse, and she'll be running, I think, on October twenty-first at Keeneland in another big race. So, a lot of good things going on. Well, we'll root for your horses because it's clear that uh, you know the it's it's a it's a
2: cool thing to watch, and I want to get I'll, I'll I'll try and learn more about this too, so that when I see you at the hunt in the hunt room, I'll uh, be able to, to sound more informed. Um, That's but, the only two
3: things I like talking about is football and horse race and anything else I don't care about.
2: <laughs> well, I'm ha- I'm halfway there. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, thank you so much for hopping on and thank you so much for what you do for UMass and, and for the program. Uh, for people who don't know who you are, they know your work and uh, they know that you, that you have a legacy here. And uh,
3: I'm very appreciative and I know the guys are too. So, well, thank, uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all your work. Stuff like this goes a long way of getting the word out, you know? And I'm glad I can help, and I I appreciate your efforts. If you want to get involved with the Gridiron Club, go to gridironclub.com.
2: You can also reach out to Dave Biancomano uh, or anyone on the development side at UMass. And, of course, uh, you can find them all over the place at the games. The home schedule ticket on here. We're halfway through the year. It seems like just yesterday uh, that week zero was upon us. But, Paul, thank you so much for uh, for hopping on. And uh, we will talk to you next time here on... Commonwealth Conversations, Everyday Minuteman Stories. As always, join the collectives, and as always, go UMass!
0: Hey, it's Matt Cross from UMass Basketball, and I've got a slam-dunk insurance recommendation for you. I'm a Massachusetts native myself, and I know the importance of hometown loyalty and toughness. When I need insurance as tough as me, I choose Amherst Insurance. They've had UMass Basketball's back for decades, and they'll have yours too. Trust me. Amherst Insurance isn't just an insurance agency. They're a part of our community, deeply rooted in Massachusetts values. They understand the hustle, the spirit and the pride that defines us here. So if you're looking for a hometown insurance agent who's got the same drive and determination as me, it's Amherst Insurance all the way. And remember, when you make that call or visit thenathanagencies.com, tell them Matt Cross sent you.
1: UMass fans, Josh Coney, the latest addition to the UMass basketball family. The energy here is unreal, and let's not forget UMass football season is revving up, and I'm all in. Now listen up. Moving can be a hassle, but five college movers made my transition seamless. Mention my name, Josh, and you'll not only score exclusive pricing, but tickets to a UMass basketball game of your choosing, courtesy of five college movers. So UMass fans, let's rally for football, get ready for basketball, and when it's time to move stress-free, team up with five college movers. Go UMass.